0: Well, as you open up your notes, then uh, we're just basically uh, going to take off here from what uh, from what Paul has just shared with us. Because our Paul from Ephesians, our our Paul that wrote us this wonderful letter, um, is uh, whenever we jump into Ephesians, we uh, we see the plan of God being revealed. So let's go ahead and just jump into our notes right now. We see as we study the letter to the Ephesians. We see God's heart towards humanity revealed. The mystery of God, the fact that he's taken those who are on the outside and had no way of being in, that he has brought them in. And in God's ultimate plan that had been kept in darkness, it got revealed through Christ. And we see here that, that uh, Paul is just... Opening it up to us and one of the first things we see as we're as we're rolling through here we kind of jump down and, and we're going to come back and We're going to jump in the middle and then work back through this but that God has had a plan and we are part of it I love it that <coughs> Paul mentioned about the fact that in every nation Every nation in the universe he said I love every nation That God has people that he has called to carry the gospel there that, that they grew up in that soil. They cut their teeth in that environment. They know it inside and out. They know the, the, the trails and the ins and the outs. And the ebb and the flow of the community. And God has called them to reach that place. God has had a plan to reach us for, since, since um, um, humanity failed. And we see this in Ephesians chapter 3. And we're going to go ahead and jump down to verse 10. It says, His intent was... That now through the church, that's us, who have been embraced Christ. We are the church. It's not a building. It's us, the people. The manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. According to his eternal purpose. He's had this plan going all along. Which he accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. In him and through faith in him we may approach God with freedom and confidence. That is the mystery that has been revealed. It's through Christ and in Christ we can approach God with freedom and confidence. If we remember back in, in Exodus, God invited His people to Him to approach Him. But there on the mountain, God's presence had shown up. And, and of course, creation cannot sustain it. And it was, it was quaking, and there were fire, and there was, there, was, there was lightning, and there were these storms, and there was smoke. And it, it scared them. But God had invited them to come and meet there. And they said, no. They had no confidence about approaching God whatsoever. And it was out of that interaction that the Ten Commandments get handed down. They said, no, just, just give us some rules. We'll send Moses. Talk to him. And then God ultimately had the plan of writing His His law, His truth His on our hearts. And that in Christ, we don't have to be afraid about approaching God anymore. We can approach God with freedom and confidence. i tell you what, it's awesome to be hooked up with God because God's plans work. Now, I've had a number of plans in my life, and they didn't all work. So I've had some plans that uh, ended up uh, a mess. I had a plan to... To, uh, to float a, a notebook over a buddy of mine's head in an airplane. By kind of, kind of nosing it down. Uh, I forgot that uh, you know, I was in a high wing. Didn't have any fuel pump. I floated the gasoline. I floated the fuel. And all of a sudden that I'm up in the air. And the engine's not running anymore. That, that plan did not work. You know I had a plan to, uh, to create a, a, a zip line system. And fly somebody in over my youth group. And uh, did not calculate the loads right, and calculate in for momentum, and I just about broke my back, landed on the concrete when the when the cable snapped, and my plan just didn't work. But guess what? God has a plan, and God's plans work. That's why I love it. And I finally said, "You know what, Brandon Clark, quit on your ideas, find God's idea, and get a hold of that. My ideas don't pan out too good." My wife can testify to a number of them that didn't pan out too good, but we finally, when you get a hold of God's idea, God, God's plans work, and He has invited you and I to be a part of it. He's invited. Paul and his team of, of pastors in Kenya to be a part of it. And us to be a part of that plan. God is working to bring humanity into himself. Because in Christ we can approach him with freedom and confidence. And one of the things we see here that Paul understood. That you and I have to really embrace. And we can kind of glaze over it. And uh, we're about to, to get into, uh, about into to get some, uh, a subject I haven't taught on for a long time. And uh, I'm excited about breaking into it but we need to understand our generations role that we live in a particular generation and there is a particular dynamic and we have to understand we are there's something unique about the time in which we are living and god is doing something over and over again jesus when he spoke all through the gospels spoke and said this said this generation That generation, tell me what this generation is like. I will tell you what this generation is like. He was speaking about the generation that was alive while he was there on the planet. Over and over again to talk about generations as a whole. Ephesians chapter 3, Paul understood the uniqueness of his generation. In reading this then, we're in verse 4. In reading this then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to men in other generations. The other generations didn't have this insight. They didn't have this access. <clears throat> but has now been revealed by the spirit of God's holy apostles and prophets. See, this was imperative that he understood that, you know, this is a unique generation. There's a reason the, uh, the other ones didn't know about it, is it wasn't time. Because over and over again, he was coming against the religious leaders. And like, we've never heard of this. This just isn't right. We don't understand what you're talking about. Well, of course you don't. Those generations didn't have access to it. God's doing a unique thing in this generation. And he had to understand the generation he lived in. So that he could embrace the assignment that he had in his generation. Okay? And while he was alive. See, we live in an incredible time in an incredible time we have seen the generation gap get bigger than it's ever been 1970 the generation gap had never been that big there was two generations of parents and young adults that i tell you what from, from you know i wasn't even born yet but from all my study i tell you what they look like that they were aliens there were two generations that just flat didn't get each other they just didn't understand each other but now we push through And now we're here in a place that now the generation gap is incredibly narrow. There's not a whole lot of difference in the tastes between me and my teenagers. You check my iPod and the music I listen to. It's a lot of the same songs, except for the Screamo mess. Sorry, I don't understand the whole Screamo thing. And so my kids were all excited because some local band did a Screamo version of Hosanna. I'm like, you take this beautiful song and say, Who's that? Who's that? What? Somebody needs to pray for that person. So, I don't understand that part. But for the most part, you know, the, the clothes that I go to the store to, to buy, I have to watch it because my son, well, luckily he likes to wear things skin tight and I'm a little bigger than him. Or else he'd like, take all my shirts. And so, and I'll still catch him coming in like, going through my stuff he's worn my shorts dad burn up my favorite pair of shorts he had them on yesterday and uh but the, this just the taste the generation gap is all of a sudden narrowed where our, our things are all of a sudden we're thinking a lot on the same wavelengths and our tastes are a lot the same our generation we live in a unique time see first chronicles twelve thirty two says men of issachar who understand understood the times and knew what Israel should do. 200 chiefs with all their relatives under their command. There, was a, there were a group of people there that understood the times. They understood the point in which they lived. And what the people of God should do. You and I need to understand the times. We need to understand our generation. And see what God was doing. See, Then we see in Acts chapter 13 verse 36. That for when David had served God's purpose in his own generation he fell asleep and he died but for those who are standing in faith and he stood in faith knowing a messiah was coming for him at some point then he fell asleep and he was buried with his fathers and his body did decay but we we understand that he lived out his purpose in his generation you and i have a purpose not just individually but corporately in our generation now i'm not i'm not about to get into this to get political okay let me under let me lay this out right here and um stats say that what i'm about to deal with 43 percent of women under 45 have have made this decision and so we have a number of people here so there are odds are there are a number of people who have made the decision to 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 walk in what i'm about to talk about um, but I, wanted, I want to lay the groundwork right now, okay? We at Celebration Church believe there, that it is true, there is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Our sins are, are behind us, there is forgiveness in everything, okay? Please hear me this. Please hear me on that, okay? Alright, now, <laughs> in the late 1960's when that generation gap was, was getting really big, um, something began to happen worldwide. And nation after nation began to make the decision to allow their people to begin to abort their children. Okay, we began to be legalized. It had been happening secretly. It had been happening, you know, uh, with, uh, with back alley things for years and years. But as a generation, as a people, all over—not just not just in the U.S. It didn't happen. We didn't pass it in the U.S. until January of 1973 january 22nd of 1973 now this hits me in particularly home just a little bit because almost nine months to the day after it was passed i was born i mean so it was like i was conceived and it passed my mother had knowledge of the fact that she could abort me and didn't even know i existed before i even existed and then just within days found out that was legal I mean, obviously my mother wanted me, there was, there was no, but, but it was, this generation was, is there and it was able to be done. It was in 1978, okay, 1978 that China passed the one child per family rule, okay? It began to be enforced in 1979. We began to see abortions take place rampantly across the area of China. We look at our own nation, and it didn't take but five years for it to pass and ramp up to what has been the average. And we see in America an average of about 1.3 million abortions per year, okay? And it has been going on for 37 years, okay, on average. It hit a peak in uh, 1990, and those young people that, that uh, made it through in that year, 20 years old this year, there is a generation that has been attacked by the children have been attacked. Now we, when, we have to understand, okay, that Satan has patterns, okay? So now we're going to look back, and I want you to see Exodus chapter 1. Okay, in Exodus chapter 1, we find that God's people were in bondage, and it was time for them to come out, that there was about to be a significant shift. God had had a plan, he had been working the plan, and now there is a significant shift. Well, all of a sudden, things are about to get, get big here. Okay, and uh, Moses is about to come on the scene. A deliverer for Israel is about to come on the scene. Someone who's going to help them move in to the promise of God. Okay, and we're going to look there in uh, Exodus chapter 1 verse 15. It says, the king of Egypt said to the Hebrew midwives whose names were Sephirah and Pua, when you help the Hebrew women in childbirth and observe them on the delivery stool, if it's a boy, kill him. But if it's a girl, let him live. A few verses later, they're told, just toss them in the river. Just chunk them in to the Nile River. Supposedly, we don't know, but historians believe that there was actually a place that there was there at the, at the river. That it became so normal for human babies to be thrown in there that the crocodiles hung out to be able to eat. That I mean that this was just, this attack was just so blatant. But just a couple of verses later, we see that Moses' mother becomes pregnant, hides him away, and we see Moses live and become the great deliverer for the people of God. Now we march through history and we come to a place where Jesus Christ is coming on the scene here in Matthew chapter 2. And yet again, God's plan is being worked out and it's not now just to physically take a group of people out of Egypt and bring them into the promised land. Now God's anointed one to take humanity out of death and bring them into life is coming on the scene and the attack is repeated again. An attack upon the children. See, Satan doesn't know everything. The Bible says, it, had they known that they were crucifying the Lord of glory, had they known what they were doing, they wouldn't have done it. They would not have done it. He saint doesn't know everything. But he can sense when God is up to something and he knows God works through people. He knows he works through people. And so he began to attack these new lives that God was bringing in to the earth and we see here in matthew chapter 2 verse 16 said when herod realized that he had been outwitted by the magi he was furious and he gave orders to kill all the boys in bethlehem and its vicinity who were two years old and under these little toddlers these little boys that already spent time with their mothers and soldiers come in and rip them out of their arms and kill them because he was afraid That Christ was there, that this new king was there. And Satan, again, is the mastermind behind this. Herod is a tool, and Satan is the mastermind behind this attack that's taking place. Well, guess what? We roll through the years, and we see the things that are going on, and we understand our generation. And there has never in the history of the world been an attack on the children on new lives coming into the world like we have seen in our generation never has it happened in the history of the world we live in a unique time satan i'm telling you you say i'm overplaying this i'm being melodramatic it's just the truth is nervous he knows that this is a unique generation this is a special generation god is doing something in this generation I tell you what, when you get the, just the word of the numbers of people who are coming to Christ by the millions per year, not, you know, add it all up. What was it? One point, how many last year? 1.2 million salvations through Reaching Souls International, through Paul and his team and these guys in 2009. I'm telling you, we're winning, folks. People are coming to Christ There's a generation who are taking the mantle and doing it and getting it done. And we have to understand that we live in this time. You and I, we're part of this generation. We can't forget it. We can't forget it. And we begin to embrace who we are when we understand our generation and what is happening here. We have to know this. And then the last thing we have to understand. No, the next thing. Woo! We'll we'll speed it up. We have to understand our own role, and see. We could jump back to Ephesians chapter Ephesians three verses one, and it says, "For this reason, I Paul, the prisoner of Christ, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you, that this mystery might be made known to me made made known to me by revelation, as I have already written." And then in verses six through nine, it says, "This mystery." is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, sharers together in the promise in Jesus Christ. I became a servant of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given to me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all of God's people, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable reaches of Christ. He knew his role that there is a unique generation that the truth of God has come out. It's now here. The mystery is revealed. And Paul said, and my role in my generation while this is happening is to take it to the Gentiles. I know my generation what's happening and I know what I'm supposed to do. Okay? But then he also knew what God's role was. And we have to understand what God's role is. See, we do and we embrace our responsibility and we do what God's called us to and we trust God to do His part. We let Him do, let Him be God. And there in Ephesians chapter 3, verses 16 through 21, Paul begins to pray for the Ephesians, for for God to do His part, for them to embrace God's part in their lives. And he says, I pray that out of His glorious riches, He may strengthen you with power through His Spirit in your inner being. God's part is to give us the power to do it. It's not on our own strength. It's not on our own power. It's on God's. So that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, rooted and established in love, this is not some angry thing that God has called us to, It is to love people because he loves them. That we may have power. When do we have power? When we're rooted and established in love. Together with all the saints. To grasp how wide and how long and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know the love that surpasses knowledge. Just chew on that all week, I dare you. To know something that surpasses knowledge. I want you to know something that goes beyond knowledge. This isn't just a head thing here. I don't want you to be able to quote the verse to me. I want it to be alive on the inside of you. I want it to be giving life to you. That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to Him, what? What does God do? He's able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine. According to His power that is at work within us. To Him be glory in the church and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations. This, he understood his unique generation, but knew that there was an assignment for all generations. And we're to embrace ours in our generation. See, 1 Corinthians 3, 6 says, I planted and a watered, water, but God made it grow. We do our parts. Paul's out there doing his part. We help supply. We're blessed, we help supply. They go when they do work, but who makes it grow? God makes it grow. God's the one that makes this happen. We need to embrace who our generation is and who we are in it and trust God that that assignment is going to get filled.